Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to Heart Empowered Women Radio with your host, Clarice Connolly. Welcome to another episode of Heart Empowered Women Radio. My name is Clarice Connolly, and I am the hostess of this podcast, and I've been doing this for about two years now, so if you're new to the journey, welcome, and if you've been following along, it's always great to have you back. On Heart Empowered Women podcast, I am, my intention is to bring on women who are living their life in an empowered way. And while we all strive for this quote unquote thing called perfection, it's really not about getting finished products on the episode to model for you like how it's done. And it's not my intention to give you this recipe of like one size fits all, follow this. It's really to get women that maybe are one step ahead of you, four steps ahead of you, or talking about this possibility that you maybe have never even considered. And I really, you know, love how as I open myself up to having more conversations with more people, I get to meet more women who are are empowered in areas that I know maybe a lot of us are struggling in or can potentially struggle in the future or actually know someone who's struggling. So I'm so excited for this episode to bring to you some really good content that I am so excited that I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about. And it's with my most gratitude to have on the show today, Jennifer Murdoch. And Jennifer Murdoch is a photographer by trade, but she's also a founder, the founder of Womb PDX. And Womb PDX is a postpartum health and wellness gift registry. She supports in offering families another way to ask for support in the time following childbirth. She also supports with practitioners, including massage, acupuncture, food delivery, and doula support, to name a few. Welcome to the episode, Jennifer Murdoch. Thank you so much, Clarice. I really appreciate it and happy it's to be an here. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Mm, so I, womb, PD, womb PDX, I don't have children, right? But I love the notion of having really great friends that have gone through this experience and there's, it's almost very isolating. And to see that there's someone out there that's supporting mothers and getting supported across the board is amazing. So t- tell us a little bit in your words about Womb PDX, um, you know, what's the story? How, how did that come to life for you? And, and, you know, I'm just, let's just jump in. Where do we go? How do we start? Mm, thank you so much. I have to say that there are so there are a few different aspects of my life that came together and then it was like oh i need to do something about this what is it that i could possibly do mm-hmm. um and so i worked in that industry let's say photographing maternity birth and newborn mm-hmm. so those were my people for a long time and i also so but and I also had health issues of my own, um, pretty severe ones. So there was me trying to, you know, having the experience of navigating normal health systems. Mm-hmm. And then there was me that's the single mother 
And so that whole, I mean, you nailed it on the head. It's all about isolation. Mm-hmm. So that whole isolation system of my own, which was challenging to ask for help, you know, um, most of my friends were not single mothers. They all have families. They're all fine. <laughs> they're, they're set up, I mean, to a certain degree for success um, or whatever. That was my perception, maybe. Um, and reaching out seemed raw, you know, ridiculously vulnerable and not something that I was practice at, you know, and how was I supposed to say what I was thinking? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm flandering. I'm, I'm failing, you know, maybe emotionally or spiritually or, um, whatever. And, you know, how am I going to how am I going to call somebody that's having dinner with their family and say, oh my God, I need you. So anyway, so that was one aspect. The health um, issues that I had were another aspect. And then there was, um, I happened to be volunteering a couple times for something um, that's local to Portland called Baby Blues Connection. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. And it was started by one woman who was suffering so badly from postpartum depression and anxiety um, that she completely created this volunteer, completely volunteer peer group where women can come and be in a safe space to be messy, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever they're suffering with, they can come. Other women are suffering and we're there to listen, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing that, and one time there was this one woman who was coming in. You know, she started to come in, and she was starting to feel depressed because her baby was having serious issues with breastfeeding. And basically, baby was, you know, vomiting. And so that creates everyone to go into chaos mode because the baby is not gaining weight, she's not thriving. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the other thing is, is that I had a very powerful birth. I happened to be in Northern California. The story is very silly, but I had a 25-year veteran midwife, Mm -hmm. and I also had a emergency birth trained midwife from Denmark. So when my birth was empowering, community-oriented. You know, I met with them at the, th- at the third trimester every week for like an hour and a half. And they were a part of the fabric of what I was doing, of giving birth, you know. So I felt mm-hmm. unbelievably supported and unbelievably empowered. And afterwards, they were still part of my community, you know. Um, whatever, one time, you know, right after birth, my neck was just kinked. And I was like, um, you know, whatever, you know, this is feeling badly. And she just, you know, she said, okay, you know, get on the massage table, you know, and she worked it out. I was like, okay, (laughs) this is great. And of course I could call them all the time and they did their own Northern California thing. You know, she said, yes, at the end of the day, have one beer, (laughs) you know? And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm from Massachusetts and my mom's Catholic, right? But at the end of the day, when I wanted to murder everyone and I was exhausted and I had nothing else to give this baby. And what happens is that then the milk doesn't come down, right? So it can spiral into whatever, you know, no one's sleeping that night. That's for sure, right? Um, Give the baby Mm -hmm. to the father. 
have one beer, ugh, full on relaxed. You know, alcohol leaves the bloodstream in two hours, so you know there's ways to deal with it. Relaxed, mm-hmm. sitting, mil- uh, you know, milk comes in, and then you know, two hours later, I'm sitting with my baby happily, <laughs> you know, recharged. So anyway, it was a different environment completely. So this woman is kind. I love in, that so right much. It's just nurturing. It's nurturing in a whole different way. So um, this woman was coming in, her baby was losing weight. And in in the medical world, she had an OBGYN and they don't even see women until six weeks when the when you come in for the baby checkup. So they're unconcerned. Oh. <laughs> you know, that would be putting it mildly. Um, they're unconcerned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the doctor is finding out about the, well, everyone's finding out because the baby is not thriving. Right. And, Mm. um, and he's just, and they're saying, Hey, this is an issue. And he's pointing at a box of Similac. And then this is when it starts to get very complicated because her partner, um, her partner's mother was on the scene, let's say. Right. And the partner's mother was all about breastfeeding that's all that was going to happen. And that was it, you know? So, whoa, this was a lot of pressure, you know, things were not going well. Well, What do they do at this point? You know, what what do they do? Right. So um, since I started in Portland with coming from midwifery, I gravitated toward that world, you know, um, when I was photographing. So, you know, I said, Hey, you know, really not really watching my boundaries with the situation, but Hey, you know, what about a lactation consultant? And Mm -hmm. she said that she had found two, but all of, they both did the same thing, which was that they, let's say administered, or they suggested a tea and a tincture. Mm -hmm. So both of those things, if you went into new seasons, let's say, and you were like, Hey, I'm having issues you know, that's what they would give you, a tincture and tea, because it's readily available and mm-hmm. it would be maybe surface knowledge, let's call it, right? So neither of those things worked. Wow. And, you know, who knows where she found them? You know, if she's in the OBGYN world, maybe she just Googled someone. I don't really know. Um, right. So I saw, so, so I'm, you know, okay that's too bad or, you know, and I'm still in the process, but every week she was coming in more and more depressed, right? Her, mm-hmm. her partner's freaking out. The mother-in-law's freaking out. The baby is losing weight exponentially. Right? Oh no. Oh my gosh. And then, you know, she said that she was waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, started drinking, you know. So this was just catapulting everything into disaster, right? So I, mm-hmm. one one week I walk in and the baby was so thin, I was kind of frightened, you know. I, so I said, hey, did anybody ask what you were eating? You know, it's a good place to start. I remember breastfeeding and my daughter screaming for uh, an hour solid or whatever after eating creamed potatoes. And then the other one was oysters, right? So anyway, um, hey, um, is anyone asking you what you eat? No one had ever asked that question. 
And that was surprising to me. Uh. I said, hey, what are you eating? And they happened to be vegetarian. So they were eating a lot of soy fake meat products. And I'm still not a lactation oh, wow. consultant. You know what I mean? I'm really right. not. But for right. me at that point, I was just like, an inquiring mind. Who cares? <laughs> just an inquiring mind. And, but that would have been red flag number one. Soy is not easily digestible. You know, right. um, babies, milk is not easily digestible for babies. So I kind of left, I left that one meeting let's say in a bit of a tailspin maybe like oh this is when it was like what 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 do I do you know and then randomly people that I've known for like 10 years certain people kind of just popped up into the fabric of my life you know one person who's a trained naturopath that I knew like 12 years ago I suddenly saw her twice I was like okay uh what are we doing together? You know, or, right. We were on the same page about it as well, which was great. So, um, so that's when I got the idea of like, Oh, she's an asset. You know, I met this other woman that I've known for 10 years and she just started to be a lactation consultant. And well, she was interning for an entire year and she's IBLCE certified, which means, hours of scientific research. So this is someone who's going to know all kinds of different methodology to help someone navigate these kinds of issues. And I could see the benefit of what that would be like. And the sad part too is, of course, this is all baby bonding time. You know, if things were going stellar, baby bonding and mother and partner and grandmother or whatever would be right on track, let's say, or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it needs to be. Right. So I just was like, okay, this is, you know, I don't know. The idea came to me, you know, um, insurance doesn't always cover these things. There are lots of expenses. So I wanted it to be a gift registry. And I talked to some people too. And, you know, sometimes with second babies, um, they didn't know what to get the mother. You know, some woman said she just got them diapers. So it was just a culmination of these things. Um, so now I'm just really excited to be part of the solution, you know. Um, what be the change? I know I love so much. When you, when I first heard about it, when I first heard about it, I definitely, um, it's just amazing that you can hear that there's such like a gap of like, you know, where women are being supported and where we're falling short to support the woman, you know, the mother, then you, you know, it's just so empowering to hear that you jumped in and created something so important. And I always like, so I'm from the East Coast, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I always like, I always wonder, right, how many people roll their eyes through the episode where they're like, oh my gosh, you and your West Coast woo woo. But it's just like, <laughs> it's not even that, right? It's not even that. It's like, we are really progressing in so many areas in the world and, you know, maybe nationally. Um, but it's just like the evolution that is continuing to form is that it's, it's more like, let's look at more expansively and let's look in a new way at the way in which we're doing things. And maybe it is a little more holistic and, you know, organic, um, 
but I love that like it can be adopted by anyone. It's just a matter of, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with? And as always, I like to say, you know, if this is something that you want to create, you know, maybe you don't have a doula, maybe you don't have other, you know, women who are practicing childbirth or mothering in the way that you want to, like, how can you go out and find that? How can you um, create that? How can you hear this podcast or something Jennifer has to say and, you know, take that as a seed and kind of water it on the daily, you know, whether it's having conversations with other friends and maybe you learn that they too, you know, would be interested and maybe you can get involved in womb PDX or create your own version. So, um, for those who are interested or curious or just want to connect with Jennifer, um, your website is wombpdx, so W-O-M-B-P-D-X.com. And your email info at, at wombpdx.com. And you're pretty much everywhere under the wombpdx. So LinkedIn, business, Facebook profile, you have a Twitter, cool. Instagram, um, and yeah. Instagram. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So, so you've had your, your child and you mentioned, um, you know, having your own complications of being ill as well. And so I kind of want to go into the progression, like how has being a mother been, you know, how is your experience? I, you mentioned being a single mother. I think that, you know, there's a lot of shame and stigma around being a single mother and not a lot of people feel empowered that they are a single mother. Um, so I really want to kind of venture into that, you know, part of the conversation as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely stigma related. I remember speaking with another single mother and, you know, she had her house and like everything and um, got divorced and lived in a neighborhood in Northeast, super neighborhoody, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And she was even part of the neighborhood association or whatever. She was actively involved in the community that, were, that was directly around her. And when her husband left or, you know, he was the one that was invited to dinners, you know, oh, and gosh. she wasn't. She wasn't. Um, so... There's many times where I felt like, of course, because I have a child, I'm going to all of these child-friendly atmospheres that with people that I know from, you know, her school, because mm -hmm. that's how it works too, right? And so I almost felt like, of course, this is, you know, probably, probably or possibly my projection, but anyway, um, I felt like, oh, I'm the single one, so therefore... I'm, I don't know, like the possible homewrecker or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Morning. Like, maybe I must have my eye on another husband to reel in. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know. Um, one thing that I'm really proud of is that in the beginning, I did not want a revolving door of men in my life or mm -hmm. my daughter's life. And what a selfless choice. Right? And I just was completely uninterested in like, oh, I'm going to get married not that there's anything wrong with this, but I really just wasn't going for that. You know, I was not on the prowl or the lookout mm -hmm. um, to, to just, you know, bring that into my life. Um, so, yeah, so that was interesting. So I felt, you know, ostracized to some degree, which was isolating. Um, mm -hmm. 
who do I reach out to? All I know is parents at this point and the other single people that I knew at that point, why would they want to hang out with my daughter and I, you know, most of the time or whatever? Mm -hmm. And how could they relate to anything that I would be saying? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was really challenging. Um, None of my family live here. Um, None of the rest of my family are single in that way. Um, here I am doing twice of the work, twice, twice the work, you know, and um, still trying to show up to work or whatever I'm doing with 100% of my faculties all of the time just didn't work all the time. And I remember one time, you know, doing a photo shoot, having a photo shoot lined up to do headshots for a woman that I knew. And, you know, my health was not doing great and it was big health issues it was seizures and fractured skulls happening for years you know so I I just wasn't overall well you know Mm -hmm. so I made I had an appointment lined up through via my friend um and I called her and I said I am feeling horrible I will I will come in if it's absolutely essential, but I don't think I'm going to do my best work. I'm just feeling terrible. And I wanted to clear it with her first because these are her clients. And she just kind of said, okay, or, you know, whatever. And so I, I went with that, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I'm really feeling terrible. Look, can we reschedule for a couple of days? Um, you know, they were freaked out about it and that wasn't something that they were interested in, which is understandable. Right. Um, and they didn't, you know, they suddenly kind of just pulled back and I don't know who told me or whatever, but I think she said to them, oh yeah, well, she's a single mom. Okay. Stigma and stereotype behind that. Mm. Yeah. I'm now a liability. I'm suddenly a liability. Um, so yeah, that, that was not so fun. That was not so fun. So what are some of the things in which like you, you know, saw to seek out support in, you know, kind of turning things around or like what, um, what were those next first steps, right? Like you had this experience where you're like, oh, this isn't fun. This isn't a great experience. Like, where do you go from there? Um, great question. Um, her father was unavailable. And I was definitely living out some codependent patterns Mm. that were not working for me, you know. Mm. I didn't know how to deal with his behavior, um, his addictions, his mental illness. I had no skills to deal with any of that. And, you know, 10 years ago, mental illness was not spoken about really, you know. It was hard to say that I would suffering from depression because of it or whatever, or that my mom suffered from depression or what's the stigma of me saying that I chose, you know, someone with a mental illness to be my father, my daughter's father, you know? Um, So someone was like, Oh, well, have you heard of codependence anonymous, a 12 step? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, (laughs) how would I have heard of this? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and terrified at the idea of going and, you know, having this visual that if I'm going to any 12 step that I had never experienced, that I don't know anybody that experienced it. You know, I had this visual of me, you know, wearing all black, 
or, you know, with a big belt and smoking cigarettes. I just didn't know what it was going to be like. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, and instead, what I found was an eye-opening reality of my patterns and mm-hmm. how I deal with everybody, how I deal with my life, and how I'm dealing with myself. Am I living like a victim? Um you know, whatever patterns were modeled for me. And instead it was support, support, support. I love and that. it was like, oh, they don't care who I am. They only care that I'm here. And in any 12 steps, it's the newbies, let's say, that are making it a solid meeting because mm-hmm. it would be nothing without that, right? So it was just so amazing to be in a room of pure connection with zero judgment, zero shame, or, you know, a very low percentage of judgment and shame. Shame is really inaccessible there because we're all feeling shamed. So for having anybody putting anything on you, it really just doesn't work that way. Um, I, with everyone opening up and me being safe enough to open up, I would never, it, it just would be so not okay, let's say, or not organic or not natural to bring that upon anybody in the room. And yeah, so growing up in an alcoholic family, feeling shame about that, feeling shame about not being married or only being a single mother or not being wildly successful already or, you know, whatever, not having my child. I don't know what would be like stupendous because she's pretty amazing. She's very Mm -hmm. amazing, you know. Um, So that was just like a whole other support system that I I fell into. I really love that. I really like, I can't emphasize that enough um, because I, I, it's so, if you haven't heard, okay, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard about 12 steps or like, maybe have rolled your eyes or have your judgments or preconceived notions about what they would be like. Um, I really want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you because I, you know, um, being raised by a high functioning alcoholic father um, and, you know, really kind of wanting so desperately to work on that dynamic and, and create a more functional relationship. I, I don't, I, like, and this is the thing that I think is really important. I had maybe five different people at like 15 different times in my life tell me like, hey, have you ever considered adult children of dysfunctional family? Hey, have you ever heard of adult children? Have you ever heard of adult child work? Like, have you, and like each and every time I'm like, no, 12 steps. Nope. Good. Not, I went to a 12 step when I was underage and I got forced to go to two AA meetings. It's terrifying. And like, I really want to honor your journey. If you, if you have a friend that's saying, go check out Codependent Anonymous, you know, listen to that, let it resonate, sit mellow, whatever the word is that you want to use and, you know, be open to that, you know, and also honor your judgments and concerns or preconceived notions. But they do say in the 12 step program model of like, give yourself six times, like, go six times. And my experience was very much like the first time I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? This place creeps me out. What's happening? Who are these people? And the next one was like, oh my gosh, 
that's my story outside of my body. And that was so healing. Like mm-hmm. when you feel like someone else also has your exact story, it's so normalizing. And that like that one share for five minutes was all I needed to be like, there's some magic here. Like there is something to learn, to heal, to gain, to process. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, got my own stuff in the way and I'm just so annoyed, but it's like, there's so much healing in being heard. There's so much healing in talking for the first time about some things that not, not everybody gets, but everybody in that room will understand. And it's just so, um, even healing before you even know that you're being healed to be seen in your complaints or concerns or stories or shares. Um, so I cannot like emphasize enough that, you know, and shop around. I think that, you know, I got into it when I lived in San Diego and there were so many, uh, so CODA, C-O-D-A is the abbreviation, codependent anonymous classes or sessions. Um, support reading meetings, um, so many ACA, ACOA meetings, and you can get the vibe. Like some, you know, can be all older people. Some can be in the middle of the day. Some can be at the end of the night. Um, so I like push past the judgments or the, you know, the resistance, um, because there's so much, Um, and they're in like every single city. So if you don't have the woo-woo you're looking for, or you don't have the support that you want, like this structure already exists. It's just a matter of hopping online, um, and going there because thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing that, because I think that that's so important and it's such a great tool and resource to be supported and start receiving that support. Maybe you don't know. Yeah, that's true. Because that's what it's all. So uh, that's what it's really about too. It's receiving, and ACA is um, my home group right now, and I can't tell you how much I take from it. You know, um, because it's inner child work, and there were so many different—not so many, but one major. Let's say, um, I don't want to say spiritual group because that's not it. But it's it's foundational. It's you know coaching to or you know self-growth and that whole inner child work was not something that I could just access easily mm-hmm. um that was what I was covering up you know with all kinds of whatever addictions coda being one of them um and to just be held in that community is like everything um and I'm still working the steps because it's still a process, but yeah. it's just so loving. Mm-hmm. And the steps are amazing because I want to let go of that dysfunction that I'm having yeah. with myself, that I'm having with other people. And, I love that. Mm, thank you so much. They're yeah. a community too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so good. It's literally so good. And I think... Um, you know, you can create common relationships and friendships with these people that also are committed to growing and working on this. And it also doesn't have to be just about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best part is, is that there a lot of the churches or the buildings and locations that they're in, they will show you the flyers and pamphlets to the other, you know, there's literally like meetings for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, everything. And you can find flyers if, you know, I think a lot of it is, 
I, in my experience, people are like, oh, I don't have alcoholic parents. Like, it's okay. Um, it's really about abandonment and it could be emotional abandonment. They weren't emotionally there for you. It could be physical abandonment. They were workaholics and they weren't physically there very often. You know, it, alcoholism is the most prevalent and the most easy to identify, but also like there it, it's interchangeable. The language is completely interchangeable for whatever the di- dysfunction is or the di- dynamic was that you grew up in. Um, yes. I'm so happy we touched on that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So uh, it just paves like an open like it's like there's all these things that clutter, like the codependency, like clutter our visibility, like clutter the things we can see, the way that we do ourselves, the way we show up in the world. And when we start to kind of chip away at that that big mountain, that big facade, um, it really creates this access point for like who do we want to be and who do we want to create our lives to unfold as. I remember like my first meeting or first couple, because it's true, you're kind of supposed to stick it out to six Mm-hmm. Um, thinking, why do they not teach this in high school? <laughs> I know basic skills that uh, taking care of oneself is the most important thing, um, and dealing with how what family structures are in place that taught me these, um, mm-hmm. and what do I need to let go of? So, yeah, absolutely, it's a big wide open. And I love that too. The the common thread between both of this, right, is like if you are a mother or a new mother or maybe your babies are a few years along, right, that asking for help is not isolating. Like asking for help is supportive. It's like the best thing you can do for yourself and it pulls you out of isolation. And that really like support is so powerful in any forms, whether it's having a community of women that get it, you know, or having a support group that you go to regularly. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. That's what Womb PDX is so about too, is community. I mean, the, the amazing practitioners that I have, one, Erin Brockmeyer, she is an acupuncturist at uh, Solstice, um, Solstice Acupuncture. And, you know, she has two children, And she, I don't know if I can say this, but, you know, there were times where she wanted to, you know, right when her husband came home, just pass off the children because it was so much and she was having Mm -hmm. a hard time. And so now women can go to her and feel totally safe with whatever shame Mm -hmm. they may be feeling. Um, That is not what this is about. This is about who can you connect to? And they can see this woman for the rest of their lives if that's what they want to do, you know, because they've yeah. created this bond. I and don't, I don't, um, I, I don't have children. I, I think I've mentioned that before, but um, I have a dog and I have a French bulldog. So they're a little more high maintenance. But when you said that, I immediately was like, oh, like how many of you are listening that don't have kids and maybe you're listening for a friend, but it's like raising a dog by myself was much harder than I anticipated. And I really questioned whether or not I'd be a good mother because all I wanted to do was be like, can you just watch my dog for me so I can like not have to? <laughs> like, awesome. And you said that I was like, oh, I mean, I, I had my dog maybe for two weeks and he fell and fractured his humerus and then he was on bed rest and then it was either oh, constant no. screaming or constant like high alert and oh, like PTSD because the whole fall was a absolute nightmare but totally and it's hilarious because it's a dog right but for me that's the only thing I could compare it to so it seemed so real and intense then that I was like 
oh my god how do people do this <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on couples to have babies you know mm -hmm. I remember reading something and they moved into their neighborhood her her and their husband and they bought a new house and they were saying hello to the neighbors and the neighbors are like oh do you have kids mm. because they want to have their kids play with someone but they're like mm, no <laughs> should mm -hmm. we have kids and <laughs> <laughs> oh man i always think of that as like um you know if you are the type airs the go-getters the like to-do listers um i i you know tap into yourself for your own truth because nothing i say is is what you need to follow i just offer the conversation as like oh what do you hear that might resonate for you or that you might want to try on or might be this access point to a whole nother thought you never considered but i'm always like wondering at what point do we just run out of the to-do list you know like we've like found the person got married to the person bought the house and then we're like oh do i just <laughs> the end of that list like <laughs> you know it's like well do you have to or do you choose to or you know like where's mm. this conversation coming from mm -hmm. yeah it's fascinating sometimes on the west side i've been hanging out with moms and you know, they have four kids. I am like, what world is this? Because, whoa, I have one child. I don't know how it would have been like to have two. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think it's different for everyone, obviously, because I wanted my own things to do. You know, right. um, when Maya was well, fifth grade, I guess I was like, yay, she's old. I'm going to art school, you know, and that was actually the worst time to do it because that's when she needed me the most. And it was just like, oh, my God, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. You know, she's so I think that um, I just I'm just so happy. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story because it's so real. It's so raw. Like this is the thing that's so empowering that, you know, most people don't talk about. And I think it's so important for you to like bring all the experiences and honor each part of that journey and like wanting to reincorporate yourself, even if it was, you know, only after five years and maybe not the best and ideal timing. Um, because I, I hear so many women get so lost in motherhood that they don't check in to themselves or become, you know, what do I want to do until it's like 50, 60, seven years old, you know, and you're like, oh, how do I do this thing? And uh, like, it's just so authentic to hear all your transparency and, you know, thanks for the courage to share because it's inspiring. Thank you. I think it would have been different, obviously, if I had a partner, you know, that would have changed the game completely. And I can completely understand why moms can say, you know, this is the most amazing thing. There's emotional connection all over the place. And I also don't think that people consider another option. You know, it's mm -hmm. how many kids do you have? How many kids do you have? I remember visiting Africa and they were like, you have only one as if it was mind blowing um, that I would choose something maybe as you're saying so selfish, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Unplanned pregnancy will do it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the, like, I've heard the support that you have created and found inside of CODA. Like what are some of the other, um, 
ways in which that you've navigated what, you know, what I've heard, the health issues, being a single mother, you know, having a mentally ill parent, um, like how else have you navigated that part of those journeys? Well, I was kind of thinking of that because I knew that we would get to the empowered point and I feel like, I mean, all 12 steps are a spiritual program, which I think is challenging to understand, Mm -hmm. but even before them, I was, let's say, initiating a spiritual life, you know, and one that can be applicable to daily, daily life. Um, Growing up Catholic, I was freaked out about that whole situation, Um, whatever, you know, the authority um, of something that's going to be judging me on a daily basis. And so for me to get into having a connection with something that is actually supporting me on a daily basis, you know, Um, I don't know how many times that I'm like, oh, my God, something was just given to me. You know, like you said, the synchronicity, it's like, oh, I am being supported somewhere by someone, you know, whether it's my mom, you know, sending all kinds of good wishes with her prayers or whatever. Um, but feeling um, able to connect in a much bigger way, which leads me to have the dialogue of, oh, what am I doing here? How can I connect in a much better, bigger way to my community, to my society, you know, to my country, which needs a whole lot of connection right now. Right. Um, so that was that was instrumental, actually. Um, and that that support, you know, in learning about what spirituality means um, to people who don't preach, you know, mm-hmm. people who are practicing things that are sacred to them and the inside of them with their inner dialogue and their relationship to something else, which means how they're relationshiping with everything, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I, Um, yeah. And I think that that's, that makes a good access point. Um, or like a, when you say it like that, it's like spirituality isn't like spirituality doesn't equal woo woo, right? Like mm -hmm. I love spirituality as the term that's like not defined by religion, right? We're not talking about Catholic and Lutheran and, you know, all those denominations we're talking spirituality as in like this, how do you want to create it? Like, Mm. you know, what do you want your practices to look like? You know, is it the universe? Do you relate to it as your higher power or Buddha or right? Like something mother earth. Um, So I, I think that the way you worded that, it's like, yeah, spirituality could just be this blanket term of like, you know, your own practice. And maybe you don't have it so outlined that it's like, I worship to the trees on you know on a regular basis and that's my god it's just like that you believe in something higher than yourself and i think that that's why i love the 12 step program because it it calls you to be like you know where you're automatic or because of your upbringing it's like your world revolves around you and you're the only one taking on so much responsibility it's like the call forward to be like but what if you're actually like being you know called forward by something bigger than you that says like this is you know your mission it's just like it's humbling and it, it really helps you to be like oh wait it's not me taking on the world it's like me being supported by something bigger than me that that has me able to show up in the world or you know whatever you're you create Absolutely. in that 
that I think that that really helps to not make you feel like you're doing this alone. It's been so helpful for me to define my own relationship to spirit, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. And noticing when what other, you know, belief systems or patterns come in for me, which is it has to be this way Mm -hmm. or, or my Catholicism definitely rears its ugly head where it's like, oh my God, I haven't done my spiritual practice practices or meditated for like a solid hour today, you know, which is just so (laughs) not my style, like Mm -hmm. so not my style. And the last retreat that I went to, one of my teachers said, was kind of, you know, bringing attention to whatever practices we choose. It can be 15 minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the day, you know, she's not giving me anything that's, you know, that I'm going to be bludgeoning myself or. Right. And it could just be walking, right? Like I just be walking. I love when people remind me, they're like, yeah, I just connect by going out and walking. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's not this like ceremonial ritualistic, like, um, you know, whatever. It can literally be whatever you do on a regular basis that fills your cup and fills your heart. And like, connects you to something else bigger. Absolutely. I remember somebody in 12 Step saying, you know, sometimes she just like, I don't know, not praise, but it's like the sun is something that she can just Mm -hmm. be connected to. And that's what it is. It's being connected. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my teachers saying, what is it that brings you to that connection? And for me, it's being outside. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, when I'm feeling wacky, or whatever, which is often, um, I can go for a hike and feel that connection of something that's beauty and wisdom and glorious. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's like, yeah, exactly. What activity, activity do you do currently or occasionally that really like energizes you, right? As you're starting to learn that your body and what activates what, or like what makes you feel what, right? It's like, is it long walks? You know, notice that. Notice how Absolutely. those things that you like are being out in nature. It's not just maybe the conversation in nature or the walk in nature. It's like that you're outside and surrounded by trees or grass, right? Like, I, I think that that's always such a great practice because you can say, like, being out in nature, where I would be like, oh, I'm going to the beach beach isn't really my thing. Like actually, like I could go to the forest and be in some woods and trees. And that's when I'm like, oh yeah, this trees, trees are the things, right? So it's really kind of meet yourself where you're at, you know, kind of observe your life as like what energizes you, right? And start practicing, you know, eliminating things or adding things and seeing like, what is that common variable? And like, what actually are you already doing? And can like continue to do and further, you know, practicing or more frequently taking on. Thanks for that. Yeah, my housemate and I, it's beautifully said, she was talking about ritual, like whatever, making things into ritual. And, you know, maybe that's for some people preparing raw food, because that's how they're going to feed themselves, and that's how they're choosing to, you know, feed themselves on different levels. And it's such a preparation, or whatever. Um, and I think, I mean, I, 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 I'm only saying this really because it's maybe something that I learned from Coda, which is how am I taking care of myself? I am. How I am I taking care of myself? And I Very think that that's so. Yeah, that's so important because I think we don't even realize 
Um, when we say ritual, again, like I keep imagining that someone's rolling their eyes because I'm saying it, which makes me laugh because it's kind of like the old version of me when I'm before I moved to the West Coast. But um, ritual can literally be like as soon as I get out of the shower, I like cover myself in lotion. And mm-hmm. it's like rose lotion that smells like love and goodness, you know, and it's like that's a ritual. And it's it's a subconscious thing I do that makes me feel better that like is tending and caring to myself so it can literally be as simple as like you know putting lotion on your skin like that's tending to your body like that's you know being kind and loving yourself and I love that notion of like waking up and making yourself a smoothie or having raw foods prepared like also pattern ritual like you fill in the word that like means the thing for you it's it's really however you want to create it I I think that's so awesome really important thanks for bringing this conversation to this episode because more people you know could use this kind of like oh if you're resistant just to spirituality and ritual is a word that doesn't resonate like cool make it morning routine Right or morning routine, self care, dog for practices. a walk, yeah, yeah, or so you good. know, every day at in the evening, and that's where you can connect with just love. Basically, I think it is. You know, mm-hmm. self care is, um, I want to say worshiping, but you know, just like I mean, it reminds me of reverence or devotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Maya going to a Waldorf preschool, and um, you know, he was saying it's you know, people are asking as we're questioning, thinking about going there and people, well, what's the God connection? And they don't have a God connection, but it's Mm -hmm. something bigger than themselves. And he said, you know, it's just reverence. Um, I'm so appreciative of this amazing um, love oil that I found that Mm -hmm. my friend told me about that makes me feel beautiful in the morning. This is it, you know, in a, in a world where reverence is, not diluted only but you know skewed to be on the attack um you know it's like oh my god um okay religion okay hate and all of that whatever life can be simple the point that i really want to emphasize and circle back to and kind of leave you with is how can we pause or take time out of our day to acknowledge the ways in which we've already subconsciously done a lot of the things that we've talked about in this podcast. So if life has thrown you, you know, an unplanned pregnancy or a mentally ill partner or, um, you know, codependency, um, and you're kind of like, how do I navigate this? Like, I really think it's so valuable to notice the ways that we already do such great work subconsciously. Like, like, is it that you already make sure that you eat breakfast every morning? You know, is it that you're already, you know, find yourself taking walks or um, being out in nature on a regular basis? Um, is it already that you have a support system that maybe you aren't utilizing in all the ways that you can, or you have a good solid group of numerous friends who are reliably and consistently, consistently there? Um, I think that that's so important when we feel so down and out and that life has thrown us every kind of curveball to really acknowledge and be grateful for like, what are some of the things that we actually already have? 
and are already partaking in? And, you know, how can we either build those, grow those, or, you know, put more in place? That's a great point, Clarice. Absolutely. Thanks. And I think that you modeled um, for me, and I wanted to say this, and I've seen this quote now around more, like empowered women, empower women. Mm. So thanks for like building yourself up, you know, in what way that you could. And also like, despite the the judgments or the, you know, resistance or fear, like thanks for reaching out and getting yourself supported and loved up on and not just like getting loved up on and supported and continuing that, but like also being a part of something that like gives to other women in the way in which that you were supported and, and, you know, maybe weren't in some places. And I think that that's so powerful and important. Like, how can we take the things that we've come, you know, the adversity that we've faced, the ways that we've overcome it, the things that we've done to navigate it and turn around and also like share that with our sisters, right? Share that with the people that we know and the individuals that we're surrounded with. So thanks for doing time that. for sisterhood. Absolutely. 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 It's been an incredible hour. I'm so grateful um, that you were able to join us. Thanks so much for your courage to share your story. Um, and thanks to those of you who are listening. While Jennifer's story may not be exactly yours, um, maybe you have some similarities. Maybe there's things that are slightly different. Like how can you hear like the medicine in it or the thing that's your next best step or the thing that you are meant to kind of walk away with as a seed that you can continue to water and plant and, and take this conversation and share it. You know, um, you can obviously like, subscribe, share, comment, you know, please, I would love feedback, but share like just the dialogue with friends, you know, or close ones or employees. And that's how these things get to be created and they get to grow and expand and, you know, it's not just reserved for the West Coast, you know, it can be everywhere and anywhere. And if people aren't doing it, like, how can you be the one to create it? It's magic. Yeah, absolutely. Any last thoughts, Jennifer? Anything that you would like to share? A quote that resonated for you or something that really has moved you and supported you in continuing along your journey, um, you know, as we're just kind of winding up the episode? Um, I don't know. I was thinking, um, I guess it's something that I was given, which would be that there's something, let's say, called life mission. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we've been put here for specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am, as I'm thinking about all of the puzzle pieces that came together for Mm -hmm. my life, and that it that this is what I'm supposed to be doing is so obvious and that I wouldn't be able to, you know, negate it in any way possible, Mm -hmm. um, that I feel complete in that way. Like, okay, I, this is it, this is it. And so I'm willing to do it, to be in service. And yeah. I love that. I was thinking that the other day, actually, and it's like, you know, what if our greatest pains in life, like our greatest adversities actually are the access points or the gateway to like our, our life's mission, you know, our life's purpose. And maybe it isn't directly related, right? Like, um, I, I have been thinking that of like, I 
contracted herpes like five years ago or something, or, you know, it's not really clear. Um, but it's taken so much personal work to get me to the place of like, wow, it was the biggest and one of the best gifts I've ever gotten because it really helped me to find myself and to get supported and loved up in the way that I can now advocate and be this activist that's out looking to support others and dismantle the stigma. And now I have a big speaking engagement at the end of September at um, Spark Portland. It's like, oh yeah, like moments are made up like this. If you would have told me when I got it that I would have turned around and talked about it and been so public and, you know, such an advocate. Um, and, you know, I would have laughed at you. But, you know, notice where you're at on your journey. Like maybe you just got pregnant. Maybe you just had your baby. Like, you know, maybe you've just had this life altering, you know, circumstance blindside you. But if you can trust and push through and support, get supported, um, maybe it's the very thing that you get to turn around and give back to others. So thanks so much for being on this journey with us. Thanks so much, Jennifer, for joining. Thank you, listener, for listening. And um, if you're interested in connecting more with what Jennifer's doing and the work that she's doing, maybe you want to recreate the model or become a part of it, please check her out online, womb, W-O-M-B, pdx as in portland.com and you can find her literally on linkedin womb pdx business page facebook pages womb pdx twitter um instagram she's there you got it have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day and i look forward to sharing more in the future thank you again jennifer thanks clarice